Good evening, everybody. It's great to be here at the evening service. It's the first time I've been here for ages, and um, this is mine and Steve's Valentine's Day night out. We've got granny babysitting, and we're here with you, so <laughs> rock and roll. Um, tonight, I get the privilege of launching our new series here at Ivy, which is called Daring Faith, and we're going to be looking at this series for the next six weeks, and um, it's a series every sort of Lent time, we tend to get a series from a chap called Rick Warren, and this is Rick Warren for a year, I don't know, we did 40 days of love, didn't we? We did 40 days of hope, we've done 40 days of something else. I'm not sure 40 days of faith kind of was as catchy, so we've gone for daring faith. And, um, and what this, uh, this series is about really is about challenging us, because at Ivy we don't want to be a church that's comfortable, do we? We don't want to come along and just have a nice um, encounter with God and go away feeling better about ourselves. But actually what we want to hear is something that's going to challenge us, that's going to change us and that's going to equip us to be a presence in the world around us, in our workplace, in our homes, in our relationships, anywhere that we put ourselves. We as Ivy Church want to be making a difference and being good news and being hope for our neighbours and our community. So I hope that you're prepared to be challenged this evening and for the next six weeks. I hope that you're listening and you're thinking about the different things that we're sharing and that you're getting ready to apply them. Because some of the questions that we're going to be asking is, what is faith tonight? And what does my faith do? How, have, how much faith have I got? And how much faith would I like to see in my life? How much would I like to grow? What sort of things would I like God to do through me? And one of the ways at Ivy that we're really keen um, to get people uh, growing in their faith is through grow groups. So um, if you're in a grow group, why don't you wave an arm in the air? That's quite a lot of you, but that's not all of you. So excellent. I've still got some people to talk to. Um, you could join a grow group even if just for the next six weeks, if you're super duper busy and you can't commit to doing something every week, then perhaps think about doing something just for the next six weeks. A grow group is a small group of people. You meet usually in the house. Quite often there's biscuits and tea. Sometimes there's cake if there's a really good host. Or if you're fasting, then you don't have to have the cake. That would be also the case. Um, but anyway, what I would like to to say is join a grow group. That is the take-home message, not the cake. Um, join a grow group, especially for the next six weeks, because there's additional material that we can be looking at together. There's videos, there's preaching, there's loads and loads of Bible in this, and there's loads and loads of opportunity to get to grips with it, to go deep with it, and to enhance and, and grow your faith into a daring faith that's going to make a difference. So that's my big plug for grow groups. So... What does the Bible say about faith? Well, as you can imagine with Rick Warren, we've got hundreds and hundreds of verses, but I'm going to try and keep it um, simple tonight and just focus on a few. And the verse that we're really going to be looking at this week is Matthew chapter 9, verses 29. So this is a good opportunity if you have a Bible to get it out. If you have a paper one, even better for you. Um, and if you have a phone one, then make sure you just stay on your Bibles and don't start tweeting or Facebooking or texting your wife saying, did you like my flowers? <laughs> or husband or whoever. Um, so yeah, the first that we're going to really be focusing on tonight and that we're going to be focusing on all this week is Matthew 9 verse 29, which says, according to your faith, it will be done to you. And this is in the context of Jesus healing a man who's blind. And then um, and Jesus says the healing is a, that's going to take place is according to the faith that the man has. 
The second verse that we're going to look at is um, from Romans, the book of the Romans. Paul was um, one of the first leaders of the churches. He wrote loads of letters, and he wrote a letter to the church in Rome, and he said this to them. It's in chapter 1, verse 17. He said, The gospel shows us how God makes people right with himself, that it begins and ends with faith. The scripture says those who are right with God will live by trusting in him. So previous Prior to Jesus coming, the gospel and being right with God came through a whole heap of hard work. There were laws to obey, there was purity rituals to be done, there was a lot of striving, a lot of hard work. God's people had been given this huge law, all these rules and regulations that they needed to abide by, and those were the things that would make them right. But Paul kind of cuts across all of this, a totally revolutionary statement, really controversial at his time. And he says, that's not how you get to be right with God, people. You get to be right with God through your faith. And that faith is through trusting in him. And that is what will make a difference in your life. So in order to discover a little bit more about what faith is, sometimes it's really good to look at what faith isn't. Um, I don't know if that is how your brain works, but sometimes I find it really useful. If I'm trying to define something, I'm like, I know what it's not, and that helps us get a grip on it. So we're going to look at four things that faith isn't. And the first one is, faith is not desire. I don't know if anyone used to like Disney or still does. Um, and you had all these princesses, didn't you, who used to like wish upon a star or they used to sing these little songs about one day my prince will come and someday over the rainbow and all, you know, they're always wishing, aren't they, and hoping and dreaming and desiring. Um, but faith isn't just about a sort of wishy-washy wishing and hoping and dreaming and desiring. There's a lot more to faith. Those things can lead us to faith, of course, but faith is a lot more than that. Faith is not pretending to believe a lie, and it's not foolishness either. I know one of the main criticisms that people make of faith is that it's weakness, it's silliness, because we're pinning all our hopes and all our trust on something that, you know, that just didn't happen, or that it doesn't stack up, or there's no historical grounds for it, or it's just nonsense. I'm sure you've heard people say those things to you. But actually, the faith that we have is so grounded. It's so well-rooted. I don't know if any of you have been on Alpha, but my favorite Alpha talk is how can we have faith? And he talks about there's three things. It's like a stool with three legs that, that supports our faith. And the first one is the Word of God. We've got this Bible which tells us about a God who created a people and a place and that wants to bring his presence into that. We talk about the work of Jesus and the fantastic thing that he did by clearing away all the rules and the regulations and putting himself as the way to God, making faith in him as the way to relate to his father. And there's also the witness of the Holy Spirit, the work of God in our lives today, because it's not just about what Jesus did thousands of years ago. It's not just about the Bible that was written even longer before that, but it's about a God who lives and breathes and is active in each of our lives. And we all have experience of him. And that helps us to have confidence in faith. Another thing that people say is faith is foolishness. And perhaps you've met people as well who believe in all sorts of crazy theories People like to join cults and, um, and, and have everything told to them, don't they? Because we don't like to, to have a doubt. We don't like to have uncertainty. We like to be told sometimes how it is and what to do. But the tricky thing about faith is that it doesn't exist in the absence of doubt. 
It exists in the presence of doubt. And we have to hold those two things and work them out together. Our faith isn't a prescriptive thing which says, you must do this, you mustn't do that, you must do this. It's not a black and white rule book that God gives us. It's a life, it's a way of living, and it's a relationship that he walks with us in. The third thing that faith isn't is a feeling. And I know that a lot of us, we can feel, and I, you know, there are times, aren't there, when you can feel really close to God. You can feel his presence. You can have that, that moment like Emma's had, of just looking in his eyes and feeling amazing. But sometimes our feelings as well get in the way of our faith. We start to feel a bit down. You know, someone at church kind of offended us a bit and we're not sure we want to see them anymore. Or this group that we joined didn't really work out for us and we feel like we might not bother because nobody would really notice anyway. Or we feel a bit put out or we feel a bit hurt or we feel a bit flat or we kind of just feel blur. And that, you know, that, all those things can lead us to, to forgetting our faith, to putting it behind us. So sometimes if our faith is based on feelings... It's really no faith at all. If it's based on our experiences, it's no faith at all because the faith that we have is based on the Bible and is based on trusting God. The final thing that faith isn't is bargaining with God. I don't know if you've ever heard um, anyone preach about God is not a vending machine. Um, God is not a vending machine. You can't just put your faith in the slot and get a can of Coke at the end. You can't just put in your prayers and get what you expect. You can't present him with your list and have him go tick, 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 tick. That may happen, but that is not generally how God wants to relate to us. It's not just a transactional thing. We don't bargain with him. We don't try and um, say, I'll do this if you do that. I'll, I'll be really good. I know I'm sure all of us have <laughs> prayed these prayers. I'll be really good, God, if this never happens to me ever again. I'll never, never do this ever again, God, if. I'm sure we've all prayed those prayers. But our faith isn't based on bargaining with God because God has everything that we ever needed and he's just waiting for us to find out what it is. So we've seen what faith isn't. But what is faith? Another verse from the Bible, this time from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1. And I've looked at um, loads of different translations of the Bible, but this is one called the Living Bible, and I think it puts it really well. It says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. It took me a little while to read that and I had to read it and reread it over again. It's the confident assurance of something that we want that is going to happen and the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we can't see it up ahead. The, the version of the Bible that I grew up with, it said, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And I think sometimes... We can read that and think, well, I hope for, you know, a great house and I hope for a really happy family life and I hope for health. And, and there is a lot of things that we hope for. But I think what this, this verse is talking about is aligning our hopes and our dreams with God's hopes and God's dreams. And that's how we're going to see them coming. That's how we're going to see them, um, even if we can't see them right now. Those are the kind of things that he's going to want to work out through us. So how we see things is really important when it comes to faith. And what we're going to talk about next is the difference between seeing things and seeing our life with eyes of faith and seeing it with eyes of fear. 
There's a, an amazing story in um, the book of Numbers, which is in the Old Testament. And um, the Israelites, they're God's chosen people. After Joseph and the amazing technical dream coat, they all go down to Egypt because there's a famine. They stay there for a really long time. Eventually, the Egyptians turn nasty and put them all in slavery. That's a very short history of a very big thing. You can read it in the book of Numbers. But basically, these guys are in slavery. They're having an awful time. And then there's a chap called Moses. Have we heard of Moses? We've heard of Moses, right? Big beard. I think he was in a film as well. Uh, what was it called? Prince of Egypt, that's the one. And um, Moses, with the help of God, gets his people out of slavery. They leave Egypt, they go into the desert, and they start wandering and wandering and wandering around. And after a few years, um, they get really close to the place that God has promised them. And what Moses does is he sends out 12 men, one from each of the tribes, because Jacob had 11, 12 sons, and each of them turned into a tribe. And one of these people went, was chosen, and each of them got sent into the land. This is what happened. And um, these 12 guys, they go into this land, they spend 40 days looking around. And what they see is this, this, this land that God has promised to take his people to is amazing. There's like big grapes, there's really nice rivers, it's really good land. They say it's flowing with milk and honey, I don't quite get the analogy, like how does honey flow and all the rest of it, but you know what I mean. It's good land, but, and there's a big but, it's inhabited by all sorts of different tribes, some of whom are huge. In fact, they're referred to in the Bible as giants. So these 12 spies come back. Ten of them say, it's dreadful, it's awful, these big guys, we're never going to get past them, these tribes, we're never going to deal with it. And there's two guys, Joshua and Caleb, and they basically say, Surely God, who got us out of slavery, can get us into this land, and it's really, really good. So these guys, you've got ten people who say it's bad, two people who say it's good. Moses and all the leaders, they accepted what the majority said. They went with them, and as a result, for 38 years or more, they wander around the desert in circles, and they don't make it into the land. The entire generation die in the desert because they don't have the faith to trust these two guys who say, we know God has got us out of slavery. We know God can get us into this land. So you see, these guys, they saw with eyes of fear, and we're going to have a little look at what looking at our, our situations with eyes of fear looks like. So first of all, when we look with eyes of fear, we exaggerate our difficulties. As I was saying, the spies, they looked at these giants, they looked at the difficulties in the land, and they forgot about the fact that God had just got them out of the hand of Pharaoh, the most powerful ruler in the region. He'd done miracle after miracle, amazing work after amazing work, sign and wonder after sign and wonder to get them out, and they forgot it all because they were concentrating on the difficulty ahead of them and they were worried. Doesn't that sound like us as well? So many times God's come through in my life, so many things that he's done. And then weeks or days even later, I can be going, oh my goodness. Like we used to, we did some work in Kenya and then um, like the day that we had to pay out a massive bill, the exact same amount of money came back into our bank account through um, uh, HMRC, Inland Revenue. We got taxed back to the point where I was like, I think there's been a bank error and the money that we've took out has just been credited straight back in, except for I couldn't work out why I had it in my hand still. And I, and I was like, and then I checked all the records, went on internet banking, whatnot. And it was like, no, this was actually extra money that we'd been given. And yet by the time we got back, 
even though we'd had that amazing provision, we were still going, oh my goodness, we don't have any money anymore, and I don't have a job, and Steve doesn't have a job, and where are we going to live? And what? You know, so often God's provided, and we know he can provide, and yet we start to doubt, and we start to worry, and the situation at hand takes over, and we exaggerate the difficulties. One of the things that I've been thinking about loads at the moment is the migrant crisis, and we see it, don't we, all the time on the news, and and the thing about a negative report and the thing about somebody who brings bad news is that they spread it really easily, don't they? They spread it really quickly. And I don't know about you, but I think our media spreads bad news really well. It's got a great market on depressing us and worrying us and concerning us. And I think actually we can buy into that and we can start to see and label people as the media and as fear would have us do. We would start to look at a situation and think, well, we can't possibly do X, Y, and Z, and we must definitely do X, Y, and Z. And I'm not saying, you know, who's right and who's wrong and all the rest of it in the technicalities, but what I'm saying is, if we started to look at situations like the migrant crisis, as we call it, at situations like um, poverty and homelessness and all the rest of it, with eyes of faith rather than with eyes of fear, with eyes that say God can do more than we can ask and imagine, rather than we haven't got enough money here and there's not enough resources here and there's not enough, situ- you know, they're going to be a threat to us. If we start to ask God to see, us, see them with his eyes rather than our eyes, then actually I think things could be quite different. And um, so I just, just as an aside, I would challenge you in your prayer life to ask God to think about some of the bigger situations and to ask him to help you see them with his eyes. The second thing that happens when we see with eyes of fear is that we can underestimate our abilities. You know, these people, they're the chosen people of God. He has said who they are. He has brought them about through Abraham. They are part of his big plan. And they're going to each other, we're like grasshoppers, man. We're teeny weeny compared to these great big giants. We're really weak. We're never going to take them. They're really massive. It's really hard. And we can do that as well, can't we? We can say to ourselves, oh, you know, maybe I'm just not the one for the job. Or maybe someone else is better than me. Or maybe I'm just not bold enough or daring enough or courageous enough you know I have always been a bit stupid when it comes to making good decisions or I have always been a bit cowardly when it comes to making that bold move and and so if we're looking at the world with eyes of fear we underestimate what it is that God can do through us and the words that people have spoken over us can sometimes linger in our minds can't they I'm sure all of us have been told at some point oh you're stupid aren't you or you're thick or you do, you, you'll never do this I'm sure there's been many times you'll never amount to anything you'll never you'll, you're always the one that's making trouble or whatever those words are what I'm saying is we start to replay that record in our head when we've got eyes of fear we start to hear those words and we start to believe them rather than believing the words that God's spoken into our life especially the words that we're chosen and that he can do all things through us the third thing that happens is we get discouraged the bad report that quickly took root fills the whole camp everyone begins to despair they're looking for people to blame and they're having a big pity party the problem with people who are negative and critical is that quite often they're really insecure in themselves We need to watch how we deal with the success of others. We need to celebrate people's success rather than bringing them down. We need to look at our own lives and work out where our attitudes of negativity and criticalness are coming from. Are they coming from a a genuine assessment of the situation or is it just from me being a bit scared and a bit worried that they're going to find me out? That if they look long and hard, they're going to know what I'm really like and they're not going to like it. I don't know about you, but quite often I think you get these paranoid moments, don't you, when you think... 
people are going to know. They're going to know. If they look really closely, they're going to find out. They'll know. There's not even a big secret to know. I don't know why I think that. But all, I'm sure all of us have these moments when we're like, what if they find out I'm really not very good at this? What if they find out I'm awfully messy in my home? <laughs> what if they find out? We have this kind of, yeah, we get worried about all sorts of things, don't we? And we get discouraged and we get fed up. And the final thing that happens when we see with the eyes of fear is that we eventually give up and we blame God. And that's what happened with the Israelites. They blamed Moses, they blamed Joshua, they blamed Caleb, and eventually they blamed God. And they eventually got to the point of saying, it was better when we were slaves. It was better when we were working hours and hours in the baking sun to make bricks than it is now, because at least then we knew where we were at and what was going on. We had an experience really similar to this. A few years ago, we were working in South Africa and um, we were chatting with a family and they said to us, do you know what? They were being quite honest. They said, it was better under apartheid. And I was like, oh my goodness, you can't say that. That's, that's not allowed. Like, how can you even think that? Well, what's going on in your head? And I was sort of so appalled and bewildered that they could think such a thing. But they said, at least under apartheid, we knew where we were and we knew where we were at, and now we can't see any hope for the future, and now we're really worried, and now our particular group is being badly done to, and back then at least we weren't as badly done to, and I was thinking, what kind of mentality? These people are free now, these people can be who they want to be, they can do what they want to do, and yet they couldn't, they couldn't get rid of that old mentality of at least we knew where we were at when we were second or third class citizens, at least we knew that so often we can stay enslaved in our heads and our minds. When God has set us free, he said that you're chosen. He said that you can. He said that you, everything that he wanted, and yet we're still going, well, at least when I was doing this, I knew where I was up to, and there was no uncertainty, and everything was as it was, and I could cope with it. God says you don't have to cope with it. He says, I want you to be free. I want it to be different. I want to take you on an adventure with me. So we've had a little look at what it is when we see with eyes of fear. And now we're going to flip it on its head. Now's the good bit, everybody. Now we're going to look at what happens when we see with eyes of faith. Hooray! And faith, if we're looking at our problems with eyes of faith, you know, all of a sudden, it's not us who are the grasshoppers. It's our problems. Because when we look with God's perspective, we can suddenly, everything goes into sharp focus. And we can see that our problems really aren't as big as we thought they were. You know, if the Israelites had God, almighty God on their side, a few tribes and a few giants wasn't going to be any problem for him. You know, quite often we say, oh, I don't want to pray too much. I don't want to have too much faith. I don't want to hope too much. But God is the God of too much. God says, I can do immeasurably more than you can ask or even imagine. Like, I've never tried to imagine more than I can imagine because that is tricky. But God says we can do that. And that is such an encouragement to us. We can't ever outpray God. We can't ever outdemand Him. We can't ever dream bigger than God because He's the source of all those things. You see, when my problem is financial, God is my provider. When my problem is relational, God is the source of forgiveness. God is my best friend. When my problem is physical, God created me and can heal me and completely knows me. When my problem is pain and grief, then God is my comforter. God, it says in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, is anything too hard for the Lord? It's not a rhetorical question. The answer is no. <laughs> Nothing is too hard for the Lord. 
The second thing that happens when we see with the eyes of faith is that faith opens the door for a miracle. It talks in the Bible about having faith, um, it will move the mountains. And uh, I remember as a kid going to Soul Survivor and uh, Mike Pilavachi was preaching going, it's like, it's the same faith that says uh, that rock can turn into an Xbox. And I was like, what? What's this guy on about? But it's, you know, that's the theoretical point, isn't it? Faith can move a mountain. Faith can turn something physical into something different. Because faith, the law of faith, is the only law that is above the law of nature. So God created nature. He created everything physical. But if we have faith, that supersedes that. That goes above it and around it and beyond it. All things can happen through God. And one of the things that I think it's really important to do in our prayer lives is to tackle those mountains that stand maybe in our way or stand in the way of other people. It talks about laying low the mountains and raising up the valleys. And perhaps you know people who've got big mountains in their lives. I certainly do. I've got a few little ones um, and a few little valleys, and I want God to work on them. But there's also people who've got huge mountains. And actually, we can have faith that God will move those. He can just like do that and they're gone like he could probably do it with his little finger like he wouldn't even have to exert any effort he could do it that easily and yet for us we get so worried don't we like it's a mountain it's so bad it's so awful but God can do anything more than we can ask or imagine sometimes we get worried about what other people might think sometimes we um we get worried about whether we need to have more faith and we get all worried about what our faith is like and what situations it's in but actually God talks about even having faith as small as a mustard seed. Of course, daring faith is what we're aiming for, but even a teeny weeny tiny bit of faith is better than no faith. Even a grain of faith will help God out when he wants to work in our lives. The third thing that seeing with eyes of faith is, um, can do is that faith can turn God-given dreams into reality. Um, I won't say too much about this because apparently one of the next um, preachers is going to be all about this. So I'm sure somebody else will deal excellently with this topic. But basically, it's just to say, God gives us dreams. He gives us visions. He enables us to see situations that need to be changed. And he helps to bring that about. And seeing with eyes of faith can enable that, can enable us to make a big difference in the world that we're in. The final thing that faith and seeing with eyes of faith can do is that it gives us the power to hold on in the tough times. I don't know about you, I'm sure we say it quite often at Ivy, but sometimes people don't hear it. A life of faith is not an easy life. Following Jesus doesn't mean that all of a sudden everything's going to go really well for us. We'll never get ill again. We'll never fall out with anyone again. Everything will be great. Suddenly our country will turn into a tranquil of you know, peaceful place, our home will be beautiful, all these things. A life of faith is not a life that's easy or a life that's, um, uh, I was going to say fun, but it is fun. Um, it's, yeah, think of that again. A life of faith still has challenges and still has difficulties. And I was really reflecting on this just before Christmas. A really good friend of mine, she lost both her parents last year. Um, one expected, one unexpected, and in the midst of that had a baby. And, um, and I was so gutted for her at the end of last year because I just thought, God, why have you, what, what rotten timing to lose your parents and to have your first child all in the same year, all within months. And there was tragedy in the midst of that and all the rest of it. And I was like, I was just praying and praying, going, God, I'm so cross with you. That's so unfair. It's so unjust. It's so wrong 
that that could happen. And I didn't kind of hear anything back from God for a bit on it. And then eventually he said, yeah, that is really wrong. That is really awful. That is really bad. And I was like, but didn't, didn't you make it happen? Or didn't you allow it to happen at least? And he was like, those things happened and I'm not happy about it. But I am with you in it to help you through it. And I think even when the big questions remain, even when the really tough and challenging stuff happens, which is rubbish, I think God can still say to us, I am in that with you. And we need him, don't we? Because sometimes life can hit us with a big old bat and it is rubbish. But actually, God gives us the ability to get through it and our faith enables us to get through it. So faith, you see, it's not just important for miracles. It's not just important for, for living the dream. It's not just important for, um, for feeling good about ourselves. But actually, it's essential for day-to-day life. It's essential for us to get through this life, to have faith. It's what we were created to have. And without it, life is so much harder and so much more difficult. And so much, um, yeah, it's just so much harder to see anything more positive when we look at it with eyes of fear rather than eyes of faith. So tonight, God really wants to replace our specs. He really wants to replace the eyes of fear with eyes of faith. And that's not, and I'm not saying either that people who have faith don't fear sometimes because we all do. And I'm not saying that faith is an exponentially increasing thing because sometimes it goes up and sometimes it goes down and it's all a bit all over the place. But what I am saying is that God is always in the business of wanting to grow our faith and grow our trust in him. Faith is a little bit like a muscle. And um, even if you can only do a teeny weeny little bit of faith stretching at this stage, then just do it again, and then do it again, and then do it again, and then you get able to do a bit more, and then a bit more, and then a bit more. The faith muscle that we have is made to be exercised. It's made to be grown. He wants to stretch us and challenge us in order to do even more daring and even greater things for him than that. So perhaps you'd like to stand, and um, I'll invite the band to come back up. But what um, what I'd love you to do tonight is just to consider... Um, consider your faith right now and the measure to which you are on the spectrum of faith versus fear and perhaps just be praying as we worship that God would help you increase your faith level because faith is a gift that comes from God we don't have to muster it up ourselves but he brings it and he gives it perhaps be asking God to replace your fear with faith Perhaps you can be thinking about getting in a grow group. Perhaps you can be thinking about committing to come along for the next five weeks to hear some more messages. Perhaps you've got someone that you can invite along to come and hear it. And it would be great for you to focus on this verse, Matthew 9, 29. According to your faith, it will be done to you. But most of all, tonight, in this moment of divine exchange, just be asking God, replace my faith, fear. get this right replace my fear with faith grow in me faith that I can exercise and that will grow and deepen and develop so I can do daring things for you amen Amen.